Dear pod listeners, I'm actually thinking about you guys today. Uh, up in the north doing some hunting, looks like this. Um, thing is, I know that things could feel a little bit cold, but uh, that's why we are launching an episode with a nomination up for grabs. For anyone who thinks that the market is cold as this weather, there is actually some sunlight beaming up and what could be taken uh, as new businesses already in 2024, meaning short notice, panicking customers or customers in great need. Um, give us a call and tune in to the next episode of our pod when we explain the top 10 nominations up for grabs in 2024. See you around. Thank you for listening. Bye. Your podcast, isn't it? It's a cold wasteland where Stefan is, but it doesn't need to be. It can be really warm. You can see the beautiful blue water and the, can't see the palm trees behind the camera, but it, it can be 30 degrees plus as well. That's how it looks when you have a variety of profitable castings in your portfolio. Just mix and match as it suits you. It can be such a lovely fresh coconut or it can be a sweet mango shake. Whatever suits you. Listen to our latest gold nugget and find out what the coconut or the mango shake can be for your foundry. So listen in and for don't forget to subscribe. Good morning, everybody. Welcome back to the, the Goldcasters uh, podcast. Today, we have an episode that we called Nominations Up for Grabs in 2024. And uh, in this podcast, this, ver this episode, we're going to talk about parts, systems, where we see good business opportunities for founders that we think, for various reasons, are going to be ready for nomination already in 2024 giving you an opportunity to increase your business or, or expand your business or, yeah, make some good business, in short. So here we go. Yeah, especially, it's think we think it's quite important to have a more diversified portfolio of customers, as depending on who you're listening to. The automotive market, especially in Europe, will have a downturn in 2024. And if you spread your risk and also on different customers, you have a great chance to come up ahead in a downturn. And if the next uprising is coming, you have way more potential to get the new business in. Hmm. That's true. Now, the reason why we have picked a few of these is that we see that there is a great pressure from, from different sides, uh, pushing the OEMs, pushing the tier ones. So to get to it, we're speaking pretty much about parts that are under new legislations. Uh, they, are, they could be regulatory demands. So, so we got two big ones. Then we will speculate a little bit around the third one, which is lightning energy saving and smart grid. But that's that's a later. Because the, the first one we're into here now is the SIBA. That is a big one, especially if you're within the European Union. Then from 2026 on, everything that is steel, aluminum, and a lot of other metals imported into the EU will be taxed on its carbon footprint. Which means that you, if you are a successful founder in India, China, Vietnam, Laos, wherever, and you are selling to a European customer that imports your parts, this will actually be additional cost on your parts. 
So it could be a problem. It could be a potential solution to increase the business. I think Another we should get more, more into detail with that. If you consider, yeah. for example, the average aluminum, primary aluminum used in China has about 20 kilograms of CO2 per kilogram aluminum. In Europe, it's somewhere around 5 to 6.8 kilograms of CO2. And your tax on the difference, so especially for heavy parts, it can really determine the part price by a significant number. Yeah, it's going to be a big, big driver for, for many of us. But one should also consider that the CBAM thing is going for all applications, all parts, everything that has something to do with aluminum, right? Yeah. It, it doesn't cling itself to a certain application, but for some applications, it will have a greater impact. And those applications are normally high weight, I would say. So, for example, brackets and beams in, in the truck industry uh, will be affected much, much more. Uh, you'll see the price difference will, will be humongous. Moving on to the next one. <clears throat> There's a ban coming up, meaning that you cannot use the regular coolant media in the air conditioning systems. So why is this interesting? Well, what most people seem to go for is carbon dioxide uh, compressor systems in short. It becomes even more interesting when you start to realize that in the old days, we tried to have a nice temperature inside the car for the, the driver and the, the passengers. Nowadays, we have also to take care of that small little battery of a few hundred kilograms of litium ion. Uh, so, so <laughs> the, the, the system capacity has to go up also. So th this is very interesting. <clears throat> so we're going to touch base on this and what it will mean in business opportunities. So these are the two biggest drivers keeping on it. And especially the it, in the first thing, it doesn't really sound too big of a change when you have to change the refrigerating media, but it's a big issue. Yeah. In getting technical now, if you reduce the molecule side from the R134A to something like CO2, you have to increase the pressure. And also with the increased pressure, these very tiny carbon dioxide molecules like to go through high pressure die casting, like going through the knife through going through butter. So, yeah, but therefore, then isn't it true also that you cannot use impregnation like you did in the old days? It doesn't work. Yeah. No, it doesn't work, especially going back to these small molecules. They just use these mostly plastics to impregnate, they just go through like on the motorway. Uh, there is no barrier. You're dangerously close to being too techy to be thrown out of the podcast now. <laughs> so. Anyway, we'd like to bring out the third one. Uh, sorry, not putting that this in the script. Um, the Euro 7, what does it mean? So <clears throat> that's also one of these that go, you know, through the market totally. And, and the Euro 7 is quite interesting. If I have understood this correctly, which is might not be the case, but, but from discussions with track people, I understand that Euro 7 <clears throat> has a big difference from Euro 6. Uh, Euro 7 is on the complete sold fleet, right? Euro yep. 6, it was on the vehicle that you sell to someone, Deutsches Post or I don't know who. Uh, and, and, you know, between Euro 5, Euro 6 and onwards, you, you are slashing the carbon dioxide from the engine and you have the noxes uh, and you have uh, some of around the particles from, from the exhaust system, basically. Euro 7 is, is, <laughs> is, a, is, a, is a new animal. So if it's on the complete fleet, 
you are slashing and minimizing the carbon dioxide and oxygen. Um, they have also pushed in brake dust, sound and vibration from the vehicle. And that means that to reach these very low numbers, you have to sell a proportion of electrical trucks, right? Also, another thing is that you have to get the weight down of your existing trucks. Yes, because when is it now? The International Automotive Show, where everybody is supposedly to show the new electrical truck with the range, the cost, and the payload is in October 2025. And that, my dear friends, is, is, is like tomorrow in the automotive industry. Because we're writing 2024. And and let's put it this way. When we kind of hear some rumors on the market, uh, we do realize that most of the companies, at least in Europe, uh, have a problem right now to, <laughs> to really get that payload up and arrange that. Because some, some guy in California is... is launching a track that has a longer range and a shorter charging cycle and, and a lower price. So you can imagine if you are one of the directors in a, in a truck company and you realize that, hmm, we did a messy job here. We have to sell three, four out of 10 sold machines. We have to sell four electrical trucks and I have to ship them with such a discount that I hardly get paid for the parts that I'm assembling into a truck and you have a problem. So yeah. this would be a focus area. Okay. Especially for trucks, the price of the vehicle is not that sensitive. It's more like the operating cost, the possible range where you can take your brakes, where you can charge it or refuel it. That's way yeah. more important for a truck than when you buy a car. Oh, yeah. But I can, I can without revealing my sources, now, now I sound like a journalist on the Wall Street Journal or something, I can tell you that the price difference is huge. So... We'll see a lot of focus in this from the truck industry. And and, and, and again, dear listener, we, we tend to speak a lot about cars. Cars are 89 million vehicles a year. The trucks are actually 4.2, 4.5 million a year. And they contain so many more castings. So if you would like to make a market study, uh, you probably regard those 4.2 million vehicles like 25 million if you do equivalent automotive personal vehicles so, so never overlook the truck industry also for the truck industry there's not too much variation so the trucks there are just a few models but using often the same parts for all variants they have yeah so it's you get a quite a bigger volume even though the overall volume is lower yeah so before you why don't the yeah. applications uh I would like to say one thing. I'm a little bit biased in this. Uh should be clear on that. I, I, I work on a certain company. Uh, we have a tendency to work only with OEMs, design owners, and so, so forth. Uh, might be that they come for us for a solution. Uh, I'm not saying that everything in this list has to be in that direction. That solution could be something else as well. So you know it. that This is why at least I know anything about this. And then I haven't been living on a rock either. Yeah, so it goes like this. The, the truck industry is now trying to change from gray cast iron uh, into aluminum castings. So aluminum weight is increasing. I think the starting point was something like 300 uh, kilograms of castings per truck, if you look at European standard. Uh, it's believed to go up with several hundred kilos over the next 10 years. Now, they are looking for, I would say, 
basically elongations that could be 4%, 6%, and 7% due to fatigue reasons. Now I am very close to, to be too techy here. So what's happening is that low-pressure die-casting, uh, permanent mode, but also die-casting is becoming very, very interesting. And the truck industry has a cost problem. And here comes the thing. Taking the properties from low-pressure die-casting and put it into high-pressure die-casting where you find the productivity and hence the lower cost. Makes sense. So this is a solution that, that many of them are looking for. Yeah, especially if you just... If you're on a tech street, I will continue on that. If you see the truck parts, they have way higher wall thicknesses. So getting them just into high-pressure die casting is quite complex as the solidification is quite hard to get it, the yeah. shrinkage porosity out. And if you have some porosity in your cars, uh, in your beams and brackets, that's something that will harm your fatigue load. And that's something you cannot tolerate in a truck casting. But some people have, have, have cracked this code. And they are pretty good in this, and we see that they are picking up um, good denominations. Uh, maybe more North America. Strangely enough, they don't have the Euro Seven. But the kind of parts, what are we speaking about? We're speaking about. I'm going to name a few reaction rod brackets. You have beams all over a truck. Could be actually carrying the the, the wheel load. It could be beams for for anything else. You have all these brackets that are placed for holding uh, the compressor system, uh, the electrical engine system. You also have quite a lot of, of uh, things around the battery system itself. But don't now necessarily think about the electrical vehicle. Because what I'm saying is that there's a carryover from the development of the electrical vehicle into the major platform. So that means that the diesel car will contain, contain the same parts that I'm referring to if you don't go for the typical parts needed for the battery. Because everything else is basically the same in the truck. Right? Yeah, definitely. The The cabin looks the same. It's just on the floor bed, and that's the difference. Yeah, so there you go. So f as soon as you hear something from a truck company, yeah, we're looking into some aluminum here, they probably will refer it to something like hinge bracket, load-bearing bracket, control bracket. Everything is called bracket. It doesn't depend if you're talking in Sweden, Italy, Germany, Germany, Germany. Uh, it, it will be the same thing. So, so and the weight difference being is... that extremely precise here, the listener, and saying exactly this part. Uh, but you will see a zillion nominations in this if you have the right offer to the truck manufacturer that gives him four, five, six, seven percent of elongation. You do it probably in A356 or aluminum silicon seven MGM and but let's not go to take away here. But be close to them. Be very close. Because here comes the thing. Every kilogram of weight save is actually not corresponding to one kilogram of payload save. It's actually corresponding to two or three, depending on where on the track they're replacing the gray cars are. And a typical part five, six kilograms of aluminum reduces the total weight with the same amount of weight. It, it, it is very often that case that you, you do a sketch, you do a something and you say, okay, it will be five kilograms of a cast of aluminum. And then the go, guys go, yeah, then we say four or five or six kilos of, of, of weight. So this is a big, 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 big thing. But you have to be in the face of the truck 
manufactured. Also, be involved during the design process as you have designed. They designed cray iron casting for years. Doing something for hyperstellar casting has different requirements. You can take out so much wall thickness without compromising your property. So, yeah, you also have then from the first day a revenue stream in designing that, and that's yeah. something you have to look for. Yeah. So, bracket and beans. I don't know how many article numbers it will be. Uh, if I would guess with a gun to my head, I would say 27. That's not the number just out of there. It's actually three <laughs> manufacturers in Europe uh, and then something like nine article numbers. Uh, and then before leaving this area, here comes the good thing. There's almost every time there's a left and there's a right. Meaning. There are actually double volumes. If you look mm -hmm. at the left one, it's 50,000, and you have a right one of 50,000. It's a good thing with the trucks. And depending on the brackets, it can be even more because you have to have several brackets for each axis or whatever. Yeah. So you can multiply that by six yeah. or five or whatever. It's not a sports car. It's not that sexy. But uh, hey, when it comes to <laughs> creating a new market, that's where I would place most of my money, actually. Okay, uh, love it. I had pancakes this morning, so my energy <laughs> levels are high. Let's go to carbon dioxide compressor yeah. systems. Um, you know, we told you already there's a, a legislation, so you cannot get a type approval of a new vehicle in Europe if you are running on R134B, which is a propane-based cooling coolant media, in short. All right? So start now. Picture yourself. You are a car uh, head of manufacturing sales design whatever and you have this car that you want to launch on the european market is still an important market and you feel like yeah let's read up what do i need to do end cap and stuff Ooh, i cannot use r3 for one one three four b anymore okay or a yeah but a was the the nasty bastard that was burning like crazy when you crashed right yeah, but it's used very much because it's quite easy to use. And it's cheap. Oh. And very cheap. Yeah. So the old system operates 10, 12, 15 bars. The new system operates 120, 140, 150 bars. So it's 10 times higher. Uh, old system, 4, 4 millimeter wall thickness. New system, 6 to 8. Uh, these are sturdy, sturdy, sturdy things. The thing with carbon dioxide is that it has an efficiency that is 300%, 350% higher than uh, the old system. So, so you actually get that mm. effect to also take care of your battery. So, so everybody's happy. Except, <clears throat> except one person is not happy. And that's the customer because no one buying a car is willing to pay more for a standard equipment like a um, climate control box. No, that's, no, no, that's, 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 that's something nobody's willing to say, oh, I have the premium temperature control. No, it's expected that you set a temperature and it refrigerates your car as it is. So cost so the, so the, is quite important in that part. The difficult one, you go into the cars, the showroom, <clears throat> and the sales guy say, yeah, this with the air conditioning, and then it's a 50,000 Swedish Kronos extra. I mean, it will go pretty pissed, right? <laughs> oh, definitely. And you're buying a modern car, not a 30-year-old historic car where it's expected. <laughs> Here comes the thing. Uh, you can tell in my line of work when this is heating up because then the OEMs are throwing this question in the face of the tier ones 
and then tier one starts to run around. So, so by some reason, I had like five of these projects in just a few months saying that, hmm, we need to do something. Because here comes the thing. Air conditioning industry is super invested in a huge number of die-casting machines. If yeah, there's several it, hundred die-casting machines just in more, Europe running. It's more. Uh, I know that one of the bigger players has 167 or something, or 200. Um, and and uh, if, if I do the backwards calculation, I would say 556 some die-cast machines. And, and mm. it is very difficult to start to say that, yeah, let's go forging. I mean, how do you do that in practical life? First of all, you have an investment of 600 die-cast machines that are now pumping out R134 B parts or A. Yeah. And, and then also... One getting forgings in so mm -hmm. there is not enough forging shops to get no. your parts from the same exactly. is for these low pressure die casting which also can deliver the properties needed yeah. there are not enough of them to deliver the same amount because high pressure die casting has such a high efficiency yeah. and the best thing is get in something that's able to get these properties and then at the same time continue to use the investments you did a few years, 10 years ago. Yeah, but we, we shouldn't take this lightly. I mean, imagine now we say, okay, let's get rid of, of 500 die-casting cells. We do forging. And, and in some miraculous way, you find forging capacity. Here comes the next thing, machining. Because all of a sudden, you, 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 you're looking at a system where you normally did the machining in what one or two minutes. Uh, now you probably prolong that time because forging is not that precise as die casting. So, so you start to have a problem again with your supply. So first you have to get away from the old investment and you have to bring in a new investment. That's fine. But on top of it, you will also place the machining. So, so it's not that easy problem. And you can imagine the cost per part. Yeah. Also, imagine that you have to do it in now less than 24 months. <clears throat> yeah. So, getting into it, uh, what do we find here? We find a pump, uh, which is, uh, <laughs> believe me, dear Fabian, I've seen too many drawings now, it's three parts. It's a front part, it's an uh, engine housing, and in between, it's a central housing. Okay? They, they look like this. They have more or less the same spec. So we got three parts, and then everybody says, oh, yeah, great. Now we have uh, control of the CO2 system. Oh, no. Because then you also have like a switchboard with channels to control where to send the energy, where to send the coolant media, and how to control the system. Uh, then after this, you also have pretty often small control stations where you have two tubes in and one tube out and, and stuff like that. So in total, I would say that aluminum parts in such a system would easily be five or six yeah. or eight, depending on the car maker. Also depending if it's electric car or an ICE car. Yeah. <clears throat> so, dear listener, uh, believe it or not, this is coming around uh, because everybody wants to have a type approval in Europe after 2026. You will see a lot of inquiries around this. Uh, if you don't have, if you haven't seen them, you would probably see them very, yeah, late spring, summer this year. Because all of a sudden, every I think people have overlooked this a little bit. 
it's it's very seldom that you see this kind of stress level in automotive especially for automotive having less than two years that's yeah. never happened on any parts sop is usually three four years ahead yeah so <laughs> it, it is like when you are in a bar like hold my beer you need to go and do something yeah, uh, yeah. This is going to be fast and uh, take care out there because these parts are not super easy. They're doable, no problem. Uh, but uh, here comes the technical hint. Porosity levels on drawings. You can put them in a waste bin. You have CT scans looking perfect, still leaky. It is about totally different things when you do a CO2 system parts. When you solve that then you're home free. But what I'm saying is that the normal way of addressing the problem from the tier one of an automaker, it is actually, it's, there are different processes in the metal that actually brings a, a solid, nice casting mm. or a failure. Mm. And this would be a harsh learning curve for everybody involved. So don't promise too much. Take step by step, you will be okay. Especially start with a dry casting to see where you have to improve because you cannot detect it and your specification doesn't scale to that level. Uh, Let's put it in that way. All right. Let's go to the next thing, which will also be quite complex castings, but also more focused on the thermal properties than on the mechanical properties. And that topic is heat sinks. If you see all the electronics, they take in more energy, and also the capacity, the, what the computer can handle increases steadily. But the energy also, and you have to go put it somewhere. And heat sinks are the perfect way to dissipate that heat into the air. But what are the requirements you need? So you need very, very high conductivity that's usually above the level you can get with an ALSE 10, because then you would have to add something like a fan. And I can tell you wildlife in somewhere, if you're building an antenna that hangs somewhere on a mast, having a fan there is great for the wildlife. They love to build their nests on top. And with the nest, the airflow goes to shit. And then what will happen is you cook your electronics and someone has to go there in the wildlife, get down that antenna, or maybe cannot get it down because it's a protected species. And then you have to wait until they're finished with nesting. Yeah, you're making this as a joke. But in no, it's not a joke. It's, it's a real application. No, and I, I must stop you there and give you an example. In, in, in the st- start of my career, we actually had something that was called parrot fence that we sold with the units from Ericsson. Because in Australia, the parrots nested in their equipment. So, so there you go. This is not a joke. This is happening. So parrot fence. I have been in the team developing this. Yep, it's it's a real thing. It is a real thing. Yeah, but is this only telecom then? I I, I would challenge you a little bit here. No, no, it, it's just for an example. There yeah. are so many things. If you look at computers where you cannot have active cooling or something like that, anything that outputs heat that has to be dissipated somewhere. Yeah, because if, uh, let let me be on the borderline of techie here. Uh, what you have seen in 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 telecom is that every generation is shifting up the frequency. With higher frequency, the losses are bigger. Then you need a bigger heatsink. But in the automotive industry, we have seen now in 2023 that the distributed computer power in a car is now becoming centralized. 
So if you look at all the sensors that you throw in, in into a car, normally you had like five, ten different small PCUs all over. Now we have one central box, and that box is a cooling problem. So, so at least that one. And then you have another thing that we see now, the carryover. When you're trying to, to reduce the weight in cars, you have to start to look at the lead lightning heat sinks and stuff like it. it it's not massive of kilograms, but it still makes it. So sorry for being techy. When you cast with a normal 2 to 6, you got 120 watts per meter Kelvin. When you cast with a low silicon alloy, like 2, 3, 4 percent, you, you level up to 160, 170, 190 respectively. Uh, so, so this is where people start to look now. And also to give in contrast, pure aluminium has a heat conductivity of something 220, 225. So with something like an ALSE2, 2 percent silicon, yeah. you get really close to pure aluminium. And then as a foundry, it's an amazing place to be because now your competitor is someone buying a block of aluminium and milling out the fins. Yep. And it's very easy to be cheaper than someone milling the block. Yeah, or you fight with extrusion, which is in between the, the, the block and the casting. But then there's also comes the advantage for casting, which is functional integration. Uh, but here comes the funny thing. Uh, everybody looks at automotive when it comes to nomination alpha grabs. Yeah, um, they will take a little bit longer time, but they, they're, they're still there with the, the, the centralized system. Believe it, that's coming. Uh, and it goes like this because everybody has distributed softwares. And there is one guy that doesn't have it, and they are called Tesla. So a typical number of softwares in a car is 130 to 150 if you stick with the CEOs. Uh, what they want to do now is to reduce this down to one. And then by nat nature laws, you start to look at a, a system architecture where you have one big computer. Because if you have one big computer, it's much easier to do everything. Save exactly. cost and, and run the software. So yeah. Uni softwares are, are here to stay. They will be somewhere in our cars 2026, 2027. But now they have realized we have a coolant problem. So if you're a foundry that knows how to do heat sinks, bang on the door. Because all the tier ones that are into this will be interested. And these nominations need to go out there in 2024 because type approval and stuff, 25, 26, and then into the platform, 27. So that's another one. To be precise. The next thing we can discuss is something that's usually for medical equipment, there are also a lot of castings going in there. They're not uh, sophisticated in the properties. They're not the most complex casting. But there's one key element that now comes more important and is the driving force and that's sustainability for these ca castings. As many large hospital chains don't buy equipment that doesn't fulfill certain uh, standards in sustainability. Yeah. Isn't this a little bit surprising, right? It definitely is a bit surprising that the medical equipment manufacturers are on the forefront of the sustainability. Yeah, it is interesting. If you look in the sustainability as a driver for nominations that we find medical equipment first, very close by we find telecom, then we have general industry, and then later automotive. But if you do the sustainability for the first application, you can just copy a solution to each product yeah. you bring in. Mm -hmm. And when you're the one with the lowest carbon footprint, it's really hard to overlook you. Yeah. 
Yeah. I would also like to give some examples of the parts we're looking at here. Uh, many of them are called trays, bases, where you have wheels so you can move around things in the hospital. Uh, so, so these are the two applications. Then you have a third one. There's a lot of gas regulating devices also. This is quite interesting. So if you start to look at it in the medical, you have the oxygen and you have different gases all the time that are controlled for the patient. And these are the same thing here that they need to do something. So there you have three different also, also, I'd like to add a fourth one, which will also be the transition to our next application. And many larger casting, you see these huge lamps lighting up the operation rooms. Yeah. The backsides are castings as well. You put the LEDs in them, mm. and they're quite big castings, quite complex castings also. But yes. that's something you can look at too. And then we're also the next point, LED lightning applications. Yeah. LEDs get more power. Surprisingly growing, right? Yeah, especially if you buy a light bulb, you buy an LED now. It's more energy efficient and basically also just quite the same price. And it keeps you forever. I hear something else, actually, from, from my customer side and my market side. And that is, it starts to show signs in this industry that they have to go further in um, reducing the consumption of electricity. It's not only this dream about a smart grid. Uh, that's happening without anybody looking at it. It's also that you have billions and billions and billions of light bulbs out there on streets and uh, pathways and, and stuff uh, that has to be more efficient. And, and you cannot, you had to start that up because these have been very digital. They're on or they're off. And now you see more and more systems where you, you light up 50% and then 100% when needed to and so forth. And you can save a lot of energy in this. So, so if I understand correctly from, from customer discussions we're having, this is a great thing because when you do these changes over the energy, over the lead, you have peaks of uh, thermal connectivity to take care of. So if you have a nice foundry and you have some experience in high thermal connectivity alloys, you probably are very interesting for these companies. That's number one. Number two, by tradition, this is a, an industry, if you look at it completely, uh, exclude the cars, you have huge number of article numbers, very often quite low volumes per article number. But as a whole, it is pretty big. But these have been purchased predominantly in Asia, these small volumes. Because no one in Europe wants to, do, to deal with it. Mm -hmm. Now, here comes the thing. With the CBAM and everything that we have been talking to, these parts will, will be under this pressure. And the lead industry is far more sensitive to the sustainability argument than automotive. So speaking about nominations up for grabs, get a nice propose, a value proposition for the market and get out there. Uh, and the application is given the holder of the LED. Definitely. Also, if you think these light bulbs, they also have a quite thick base where you can screw them in and then it spreads out depending if there's a, whether it's a focused light or if it's distributed light. But it's quite a, some weight depending on, again, on the size. But it's a really nice application and can run in very high numbers. Yeah. And, Especially and, if you think it's smart grid, how, count lights on the way to your work. There are a lot of them. Yeah, I so saw an example of a, what do you call it, in a train station where you have like 12 different tracks for, for you know, organizing which car with, with which car and etc. And, and they had something like 4,000 points of light. Only that one, that's Sweden. 
So, so if you start to, to look at this industry, I'm not saying that it's go, it's it's going fast, but I see a silent revolution here that I think most founders are quite ignorant of. That is interesting. I mean, you had a lot of discussions about LED lightning lately, Fabian, and I had yeah. it. So, so and, and they're they are these are not the same companies, customers, whatever. So, so apparently they are waking up. Especially when it's something where you have to generate a market for yourself. There is no LED lightning portal that you can download your 3D images and see how they look like. No, you have to do it by yourself. So it, it requires work to get into that business. It does. It does. It's, it's, it's not it's automotive. Uh, and it could be very quick. I mean, heck, I saw the guy who, I don't know if they are the biggest one, but they're, they're kind of occupying six die-casting machines full-time. That's not that small. Oh. Especially for your parts a year. Yeah, especially for your smaller die casting machine where these LED brackets, oh. bulbs are. They run out of work in automotive and other applications yeah. because the parts mm -hmm. get bigger and bigger. And you go a long way with a six hundred ton machine or a seven hundred ton machine. Yeah. The light bulbs won't grow in size. There is no light bulb mega casting that will stay on your four hundred, six hundred ton machine and gives you work for years and decades. Yeah. The volumes are too small, you know, the cost of ownership makes it difficult to change. So once you have won the business, you probably have it. And I don't find them extremely cost sensitive like the automotive. They, they, they know how to count money, but, but they're not, you know, down in your pockets to, to see if you have something hidden. Especially all these light bulbs have energy ratings and also sustainability comes into place. And definitely no one wants to pay the CBAM import tax. On a, on a high CO2 light bulb, if there's a possibility to take the business into a sustainable route within the EU, you're probably one of the preferred suppliers. Yes, you probably are. So, what did we say today? We said that CO2 systems, you got six different article numbers, or seven or eight. Uh, we said brackets and beams, a little bit more like, okay, this is an industry where you probably find five, ten different article numbers easily if you, if you want to then uh, we have I'd... a lot of heat conductivity applications yes. like heat sinks these psu computer boxes mm -hmm. then we have also the led lights and then we have medical equipment so all of a sudden we more or less told you about what 10 applications that are up for grabs in 2024 especially also in very different industries that really gives you a resiliency against some downturns because all these industries have different ups and downs. Mm. And that's something you have to look for in your foundry. Yeah. So recorded a Sunday morning. We're looking for a interesting week starting tomorrow, Monday. Uh, and uh, I know that we have been pretty black sometimes uh, and doing rants about uh, how things are in our dairy industry. But here... It, we hope that this episode is giving some energy, some positive thinking. And please feel free to comment and, and uh, discuss with us. And we're happy to, to make this episode maybe in a second version during the autumn where we find even more things that we can discuss in, uh, about to give you, their listener, more ideas what to do. Especially there is hope and you have to do something differently to get ahead. Just waiting for something to happen never works in no industry Be final words right yeah have a great day call us discuss with us and again thank you very much for listening thank you and 
don't forget to subscribe. And then we see us in the next Gold Nugget. Goodbye. Bye.